This is Financial Detox, helping you retire with confidence. Featuring Jason Labrum, certified financial planner and founder of IDA Wealth, intelligence-driven advisors. For over 20 years, Jason has shown people how to steer clear of toxic advice, achieve financial peace of mind, and manage their wealth for maximum impact. Join Jason and co-host Alex Klingensmith as they simplify the complex, share industry secrets, and provide proven strategies designed to take you from financial insecurity to financial independence. This is Financial Detox. Welcome to Financial Detox. I'm Jason Labram, your host, and very excited to bring a special and, and new guest, first-time guest on the show today. Uh, of course, we have Alex Klingensmith in studio, as mm-hmm. usual, as the best co-host on the planet Earth. Um, and then today, we are bringing on Mr. Jim Papillo, who, uh, welcome, Jim. Thank uh, you. Yeah, Jim is one of our senior wealth advisors at um, IDA, and we are, of course, the financial detox team at Intelligence Driven Advisors, and Jim brings a just a boatload of experience to um, the industry and to his clients that he works with on a regular basis, and it's been too long. We haven't had you on for, it's been too long, Jim, so sorry that it's taken so long, but here we are uh, going cross state lines and, and making a great financial detox show for our listeners, right? Welcome again. Yep. Yeah, great things are worth waiting for. So glad to be Perfect. here. Thanks. Perfect. Um, and, and as always, uh, financialdetox.com is where you can check us out. You can also get uh, more information um, there as well. And you can send an email right to Jason at financialdetox.com if you have any questions. Last week, we knocked out a listener question show. Alex, that went pretty well, right? We got some good listener questions done. It was good. Out. It's good. There's a lot of, I mean, it's the beginning of a new year and it's a new administration. And so there's lots of questions and, you know, and yes. I, I think it's, I think it's cool to take this show and go deeper into um, what people should be paying attention to. I know last show we kind of said at a higher level. We did. And this show might get a little in the weeds. So if you're, if you like the, you like some technical detail, this is going to be a great show for you. Um, we're really going to be focused on today talking about rating systems. And most people who have money invested in the market have certainly heard of a Morningstar rating system. Uh, there's several other rating systems. Heck, there's even red lights and green lights, buy the market, don't buy the market kind of stuff now. But um, we want to go into a little bit more detail about those. And I think what this is going to do is kind of dovetail into just the value of an advisor and having somebody in particular, we think a fiduciary who's legally bound to act in your best interest, but have somebody help you understand and make sense of these rating systems. And, and Jim in particular is really good at this stuff, right? Jim, uh, uh, Jim likes to get into the details. He understands this stuff. And, uh, so Jim, you know, we're going to, uh, maybe I'll ask you some questions. I get to be the inter- interviewer here, but, um, and we'll just, we'll just ping pong and like, like usual, have a good conversation sure. about this, but we were, and I'll set the stage a bit here. We were working in, in our investment committee. So the financial detox team and intelligence driven advisors, we have an investment committee, that investment committee gets together and analyzes our portfolios that we have for our clients and and we try and deconstruct them and reconstruct them and break them and fix them and just make sure that they're the best portfolios they can possibly be and oftentimes um we'll we'll come up with a hey wait this this investment doesn't have a good morning star rating but yet it's one that we're thinking about putting in and um 
the tendency is to go to those ratings and then we know that our clients look at those sometimes. We know that prospect or competitive advisors are looking at those. And and we we consistently find major faults. And I'm not disparaging Morningstar because Morningstar does a phenomenal service for the industry and for investors alike. Um, but I think you have to look beyond the curtain of what the rating is and what are they uh, what categories are they in and so on and so forth. So Jim, just give us your perspective on that. And, and even thinking about the recent, you know, conversations we've had as an investment committee and, and how this comes up. What do you think? Yeah. And, and to your point, these rating systems, um, like Morningstar as an example, or Lipper and, and there's, you know, other ones out there, it's not to discount their value and what they do, but it's also, you, you can't just take, and if for face value, if a fund's got a five-star rating, you can't just accept that as, okay, well, that's the one I need to pick. Because you analytically, when you're looking at a fund, and I'll, I'll throw out just a couple terms, it's alpha, beta, R-squared, all these metrics that are in the industry, they, they, you can't just take any one of those metrics alone to make a decision. You have to look at all of them together and and view it as a comprehensive analysis of a fund. So um, a couple things that have happened is these rating industries, they use either what's called returns-based style analysis or holdings-based style analysis. And those are used to determine the underlying attributes or factors of a fund. And so you might have a fund that's labeled large growth um, and then the returns-based style analysis will do like an MRI of that portfolio to discern how much of it is really large growth and how much of it is maybe got sprinkles of mid-cap or small-cap in there to turbocharge the, in, uh, the, the uh, performance of the fund. You have to understand the mutual, mutual fund industry is very competitive, and they're all competing against their peer groups. So there's things that they do like that gravitating, drifting their style to turbocharge their returns. That's not necessarily bad. However, you need to understand what the underlying ingredients and the exposures, the risk exposures that you're getting. So let me bring this into layman's terms. Building a portfolio is like baking a cake. It's important to have pure ingredients. Those are the investment attributes or factors that you seek in your asset allocation. Yep. You've got to have those ingredients, those factors in proper amounts in your asset allocation. And so that is more important than how those ingredients compare to their peer groups that are typically not so pure. So it's really important, and this is where I think, uh, Jason, to your comment earlier, the value of a sophisticated, advanced advisor who understands the limitations of returns-based style analysis, uh, which some rating systems use. Um, you mentioned Morningstar. They happen to use holdings-based style analysis. They both have their pros and cons, but it's really important to get and understand the underlying ingredients. So today's funds are used to um, using returns-based style analysis and holdings-based style analysis for mutual fund evaluation. The problems or the limitations that investors should be aware of is 
in many cases, there's a mismatch in the benchmarks. There's not a, necessarily an apples to oranges comparison. So if you're comparing a large growth fund to a large growth Russell, large growth index, it may not be an apples to oranges. It may be an apples to oranges comparison. In fact, in many instances, it is because the factors are not pure inside that fund for the reasons I, I just mentioned. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there, Jim. I think with the, the somebody goes out and thinks they're buying uh, a fund that does uh, a certain thing, like it's a large cap fund, but and it's got a great rating, but maybe it has a great rating because it's actually not a large cap fund. It's more of a blend fund and small and mid cap had done better over the recent time. Or uh, I think you, we see it happen all the time where there's a, a small cap fund or a mid cap that maybe has a terrible rating um, because they're being true to small cap when half the small cap funds actually have a smattering of large cap and therefore they've done better. And so you could end up with a fund that has a bad rating that actually is a significantly better fund. We got to take a quick break here. So let's, let's, let's roll this back and, and have Alex jump in. And he always does a really good job of saying, okay, why does this matter? <laughs> and simplify, <laughs> simplify. You were reading my mind, Jason. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, okay, great guys. So what the heck does that mean for our listeners and how do we empower uh, people through financial detoxification. So we're going to be right back in just a minute. Stay with us. Thanks. You can check us out at financialdetox.com and give us a call at 877-707-8889. Welcome back. It's Financial Detox. We're talking about rating systems. We're talking about how when you go to build a portfolio, whether you do it on your own or whether your advisor is doing it, you have to be conscious of the fact that the rating systems that are out there are oftentimes looking through a tunnel vision of a lens and there's, there's more to the picture, there's more to meet the eye here where you can have um, a fund that shows up with a, a poor rating or a poor Morningstar rating, but yet actually the fund could be phenomenal and because it's doing what it's supposed to be doing versus a lot of the other funds in its quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, category is, aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not staying within that category. And so Alex, um, I got it. I got it. This yeah. is a good one. So Jim, this, go. Jim, I, Jim said something a minute ago that was very, uh, it made me perk up because I'm like, okay, as a, as a group of advisors, we make decisions. We filter, we believe one of our jobs or our clients is to filter all this information and all these options down and distill it in a, in a, in a process based way to pick and build portfolios. Mm -hmm. I think no normal people out there like are used to like Yelp, you know, Google reviews and this whole thing with Robinhood and GameStop, you know, I, I read something, I don't know if it's true or not, but that Google went in and deleted a bunch of negative reviews of Robinhood. So to, to our point on this show today, you know, if they're not just supposed to be looking for rating systems, what other things, Jim, should investors be looking at to build a portfolio? You know, yeah. is, it, is it performance? Because that's usually what I hear when I hear, you know, talk to people that are looking to, to hire us. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I, I say this with all humility, but you really need to find a professional who understands how to use these tools because you, it's, you, it's like giving a machine gun to a kid if they don't know how to use it. Um, so there is value in returns-based style analysis. There is value in holdings-based style analysis. But the industry has evolved from breaking down what I call the Hollywood squares of the different capitalization segments of the stock market into large, mid-cap, small-cap, growth, value, 
and blend and that Hollywood square matrix is how portfolios used to be constructed. The problem that we had in the industry is, is there was a lot of impurities in those funds that were categorized as a large growth. And what uh, in, in our works with Dr. Frank Sertino, he used to refer to that as asset allocation corruption. So we used to comp, uh, compensate for that corruption. Today, and because of that, what the industry has evolved is into making much purer factor exposures, sharper tools to build and construct a portfolio. And that's what's really important here, is having somebody who understands the factor exposures, and once you have the pure ingredients, they understand how to build the asset allocation in the correct amounts, which is paramount. We all know asset allocation is 91.5% responsible for the variation in volatility and returns and, and, and things like that. So you got to have two things, just like baking a cake. You got to have pure ingredients. And when I say pure ingredients, sometimes I make the analysis, do you want, you want good clean oats or do you want oats that have already been run through the horse? Um, you can, <laughs> You know, you, I, I go with clean. I'm going clean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's not a very good, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, now the industry has created these more good, clean oat factor exposures. And in a beautiful way, they're typically less expensive. And in many cases, they're in an ETF a vehicle, which also has tax advantages. If you, if you think about all the technology in, in industries, medical and, you know, your phones and your computers, things have advanced. But yet, and, and I'm not, uh, not again, to disparage other advisory firms, but I, we know lots of advisors. We know lots of particularly advisors at big firms. And, and I, when I talk to them, I feel like they haven't advanced at all. I feel like they're still doing things the way we did things in the 90s and the late 90s and the early 2000s with selecting investments and constructing them. And one of the things that we found extremely useful is identifying these factors, right? And we've said that word probably 40 times on the show already. So I think it's worthy of explaining what a factor is, uh, particularly when you're talking about constructing a portfolio. Factors are, and Jim, you might even be able to describe this better than me. In fact, you probably can, but I'm going to give it a shot. You know, there are certain factors um, such as size, meaning small cap stocks versus large cap tend to overperform over long periods of time. Value, uh, discounted stocks, uh, discounted book to value tend to perform better over long periods of time. They certainly haven't recently. Then you have factors like momentum or stocks that display uh strong and positive momentum characteristics tend to outperform stocks that don't have that minimum volatility, quality, profitability, so on and so forth. So what we're doing as we construct these portfolios is we're looking at these different factors that are pervasive, they're robust, they're persuasive, they're, they're uh, cost effective to achieve. And we can now create and extract returns out of the markets with groups of securities that exhibit certain characteristics that we know that over long periods of time, they tend to provide better performance. And that is a, 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 a super advanced way of thinking about portfolio construction compared to what your, you, you know, your quote unquote average advisor is doing. And I don't know, would you guys add anything to that as far as what it is and 
And again, I think you need a professional to help you do this. Uh, unless you love it and you do it all day, every day, then you can probably figure it out on your own too. Um, cause it's not complete. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science, but it does take time and effort and energy and understanding. Yeah. If I could add to that, you, you explained it very well. Um, and, and if, it's all quantifiable. It's based on yes. empirical evidence. So, I mean, this is work that's been done by the Famas, the Frenches, and uh, the Robert Knotts, and I know those aren't household names, but these are the rocket scientists within our industry as it relates to portfolio construction and, and, and doing the analytics on uh, these these factors and returns-based style analysis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Jason Labram <laughs> and Alex Klingesmith is closing us out here. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that, right? yeah I, I'm typically the one that brings Jason back from, from wherever he's wandering yeah. in, these, in these shows. And now I've got Jim too, so I'm a little <laughs> shell-shocked with, with like... <laughs> you double yeah. um, Alex. You got yeah, to a little like herding cats for Alex. Oh man, it's 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 fun, but it definitely keeps me thinking. Like, where are these guys going to go next? And how? Like, if I'm a listener of this show, what what is the point of all this? Right. <laughs> I think I think one thing though that I'm learning as I listen is is how serious we take it here at our firm. That we go really deep down to the point where we 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 get ourselves confused. I think probably, but then we kind of bring ourselves back up and say, like last year is a good example, and then we'll give we'll give the punchline, but. Like, what did we do last year that was maybe different, and, and how did we evolve uh, pertaining to this factor mm -hmm. investing, risk, you know, returns based versus factor based? What did we actually do? Because that's a good question you should be asking your advisor um, or yourself if you don't have an advisor. Did you do anything different last year based on the crazy year that we had, or did you just kind of sit and do do the same? I love their, your thought, Alex, and I think it's even more about not only did you do something last year, but are you still doing things the way? you know, you did them 10 years ago, you know, are you still thinking about the hot stock to buy as a week? Are you, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of questions in that one. And I know that with the help of Jim and being uh, on our investment committee and the help of BlackRock as a firm and other firms that we work with regularly to kind of stress test and try to try to deconstruct and reconstruct in a better way, our portfolios, we recognize last year that we needed to add additional, or we wanted to add additional factors to our portfolio to capture more of the momentum and more of the, the technology surge and the things that were going on. And so we found an opportunity to even improve our portfolios as late as last year. I think we'll find an opportunity to improve them again at some point in the future, but you never can improve if you're not willing to challenge what you're doing. You know, talking about the target return, and we've, we've talked about constructing portfolios, but talk about determining your risk tolerance versus determining your needed rate of return. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, in the institutional world, this is called liability-driven investing, and it's neither here nor there for, for layman's terms. I call it balancing the balance sheet. The financial planning process is to go through the procedures of identifying what your living expenses are uh, or what growth components you need to get to maintaining, achieving a lifestyle that you desire. And then our job as advisors is to take inventory of your assets and determine how those assets should be optimally constructed. They have the highest probability of funding that targeted return that's needed to achieve that goal completion. That's a strategy. And that's a strategy that we think is superior to what I call a ludicrous risk tolerance questionnaire. 
a risk tolerance questionnaire asks you how you feel at a particular moment in time, and I can tell you for over 35 years of uh, doing this, I have observed that investors are incredibly bold in rising market environments and incredibly cowardly in declining market environments, and it should be the opposite. You right. should be wanting to increase your equity exposures, your growth components in your portfolio when the market's down, buy low, sell high, and uh, you know people don't do that. So when you identify a targeted return in the financial planning process, it takes the emotions of the roller coaster of the capital markets. We know the markets go up and down, but you stay focused on that targeted return. If the market goes down and you need to increase your target return by increasing growth exposures, that's the time to do it. If the market goes up and you have the liberty and the luxury of decreasing your equity exposure to dial your risk in your portfolio down, that's the time to do it at the market highs. So that's a strategy that we employ here at IDA. And it's, uh, you know, just, it, it's, it's the math is the math. And it minimizes the emotions from people self-destructing their portfolios based on emotions. Alex, make that simple because it's so good. And not that that wasn't simple, Jim. It was very well said. Um, I love it. I mean, we, we, we met Jim. Yeah, I wouldn't change anything. What he said, I, I, I got it. I got it. I think it's awesome. That's the, what's the point behind it all. And that's, that's, that's why. I mean, it, it takes a lot of uh, energy and attention and depth and passion to actually execute and implement, especially in volatile years. But what Jim said was, was perfect. Jim, you made me think of something in a way that I haven't, I, I always talk about, look, you know, finding your target rate of return is so much better than risk tolerance. But one of the things I failed to mention there, which you mentioned, and it was so good, is that when you do a risk tolerance questionnaire, our, our emotions and our feelings change every day. So you could do the same risk tolerance questionnaire and have a completely different risk tolerance, you know, so many times. And I, I forget to describe in, in, in that, that little bit of detail why the risk tolerance fails. It fails because your, your aptitude for risk is completely different depending on what moment in time you're in and how you, the food you ate that day and what news headlines you read and so on and so forth. So that's why the, the, that process is so broken and the process that we follow and we encourage people to be financially detoxified, the process to follow is figure out where you are and where you want to go and what is the return you need to do that and then construct a portfolio intelligently, not just off rating systems and star systems that will deliver the type of return you need. And the experience becomes one that is absent of guessing and timing and emotions and exuberance and, and fear and panic and all the different emotions that go along with it. And instead, the experience becomes very peaceful and we like to call it true financial peace of mind. So I yeah. think that's what we're trying to bring to you here today and we got to wrap it up, but that's financial detox for you in a nutshell is creating true financial peace of mind, helping you achieve your goals and objectives. Jim, thanks for being on, man. Great to have you. My yeah, thank pleasure. You. Yeah. And Alex, thank you as always. And you can catch financial detox on KCBQ, the answer, AM 1170, that's and FM 96.1, Saturdays at 1.30, or go to financialdetox.com. You can check us there and also anywhere podcasts are played. Thanks as always for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. Financial Detox. To learn more about Financial Detox and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and resources, visit financialdetox.com. 
Call Jason and the team at Intelligence Driven Advisors. If you're ready for financial detox and a better tomorrow, call 877-707-8889. Get answers to your questions. That's 877-707-8889. That's financialdetox.com for podcasts and information. And if you like what you've heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That way, you'll be notified about upcoming podcasts. You'll take one more step toward financial peace of mind. This content is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any types of securities. Mr. Labram and Intelligence Driven Advisors are not responsible for the consequences of any decisions or actions taken as a result of information provided in this program and do not warrant or guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information provided. The information discussed today reflects the views of Mr. Labram and his guests as of the date of the show and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any forward looking statements or forecasts are based on assumptions and actual results may vary from any such statements or forecasts. No reliance should be placed on any statements or forecasts when making an investment decision. Accordingly, listeners should not rely solely on information provided today in making any investment decisions. There is a risk of loss of investing in securities, including the risk of loss of principal. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will be profitable or suitable for particular investors, financial situation, or risk tolerance. Asset allocation and portfolio diversification cannot assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses.